from Braided Media. This is 54 Lights. Roughly 13 years ago, I had my first baby. Not my first child. My first baby. I launched a magazine called The Warehouse. It was the realization of a dream I'd thought about and had for some time. It drew every ounce of energy I had. It was my serious side hustle before the term side hustle had even been born. What made it difficult and rewarding was that it was so complex. The obvious parts, working with designers, writers, and of course business partners to build a brand from scratch. The not-so-obvious? Picking paperweight, finding distribution points, and proofreading for typos. It was a labor of love, and I mean labor, and I also mean love. Thanks in no small part to the creative geniuses I worked with, we managed to sign a deal with Apple. Man, when I think on that, I think of what could have been. Alas, I had to retire the magazine after five years. It was fantastic, but flawed. Or at least I was. Now I fast forward to late 2020, amidst the quiet of a pandemic, and I'm introduced to a young entrepreneur who is in the magazine business. When I heard that, well, I just couldn't resist. Good morning, good day, or good evening, and welcome to 54 Lights. This podcast is dedicated to celebrating culture creators from Africa and beyond. Our mission, as aptly captured by the great Christine Taylor, is to complicate your ideas about Africa. Now with all that said, every once in a while, we go beyond the continent and outside the lines. Today is one of those moments. As I mentioned earlier, we've got an interview on tap with Marie Powell. Marie is the founder and editor of ARC Magazine. While it's only a few issues into its print life, ARC Magazine has been thriving online for years. It's grounded in art and fashion, and it is a truly beautiful product. The current issue is called The Reset. It's a title that, given our current times, makes a lot of sense. I received it recently, and it is a beautiful product. One that I was anxiously awaiting thoroughly impressed by when it finally came in the mail. It came accompanied with a personal and sweet note from my new and dear friend, Marie. And as I turned the pages, I noticed that proceeds from each issue purchased would be donated to Black Lives Matter Canada. Now, while I actually knew it beforehand, that last line in the mag actually cemented why she should be on this show and why she's also going to be a lifelong friend. Words matter, money matters, 
and certainly intention matters. She may not hail from the continent, but her youthful allyship is worth its weight. My name is Kondwani Mwase, and the next episode is Because Art Prevails. Um, so I'm going to state the obvious here, yeah. uh, which is that you're not of African descent. And this is a show that typically talks uh, to people of African descent. Um, but at the end of the day, I do love to get to know people. Um, and I do like to understand that their family roots and we'll, we'll talk about where your, um, what you're doing fits within the context of this show afterwards. But, um, like I said, I like to get to know people and understand their family roots, regardless of where they're from. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with myself and, and of course the audience, your full name and uh, your family background. Um, so my name is Marie Powell and I'm half Malaysian, but technically on my mother's side, um, Indian, but her parents immigrated from South India to Malaysia. That's where I was born. Wow. Um, and my father was um, of European heritage, but Canadian. Got it. Okay, so the Powell is from your father, obviously. That, that the yes. last name comes from there. Yeah, because I was actually, when you said that, I was like, well, wait a minute. That Powell doesn't seem like it's a Malaysian or an Indian name in terms of heritage background. No, very Welsh. Uh, very Welsh, right, exactly. <laughs> you were born in uh, Malaysia, but you've grown up here? Yes, I grew up um, in Stratford, Ontario, and I moved there when I was, let's say, three. And okay. that's where I grew up until um, I graduated high school. Very cool. Okay. In high school, you know, you have to get out of your city. And so I traveled and then, you know, after time ended up in Toronto for school. And what did you study? Fashion business. What made you, you think to, to, to pursue a degree in fashion business? It fashion was always a part of who I was and I did I repressed it my whole life because especially at that time it was seen as a frivolous career my you know parents didn't think it was the right choice they wanted me to go into something where I could help people um but I just, I just knew it was always a gut feeling. And so mm. I finally, you know, mustered up the courage to enroll myself in school because I just knew it was my path. And I always wanted to make a difference because I did see when people talked about the fashion industry negatively, I saw that and it was obvious, but I had, I guess, you know, hope that I could change it. Um, I'm curious in the, in the, in the, like the sort of the faculty that you were in the fashion business, was there a lot of women in there? Was there some men? Is it a mix? Is it a good, like, what does that look like? It was maybe 10 years ago now. So I'm like trying yeah. to you know, yeah. remember, but no, it was definitely majority. No, it was majority women. Like mm -hmm. I would say 95% women. Interesting, interesting. So the, the reason I'm asking that question is that I'm, I'm kind of trying to lead somewhere in the sense that you obviously have started uh, a magazine, Arc Magazine, which we'll, we'll talk about in just one second. But um, 
I love that you've you you sort of leaned into the business side of things and um and are running it as a business as I assume, but um I'm curious as to how many people within your faculty within your program that stayed in that the stayed with the business angle of it or if they you do keep in touch with them if they went into an, another aspect of fashion or do you think they they stayed on that um, path? There's only, there's a few people that I keep in touch with. Um, and one person who's still one of my best friends, but for the most part, everyone else has moved on to different careers. So there's only, I think, two people that I know that were in my program that are still working in the fashion industry. And I'm assuming the fashion industry is relatively tough to, to, to make a living and to, 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 to sort of shoulder through. And that's evidenced by people dropping out, I guess. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, listen, I want... In the city, you know, Toronto is it's not one of the fashion capitals and we've lost so much funding in recent years, like with fashion week and yeah. well, now the pandemic too. So it's just deteriorating. Right. Right. Tell me about ARC and tell me about what's led you to ARC. Um, okay. That is good. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So ARC is, it's a fashion art and culture online platform that is now a print magazine. So the second print issue is coming out this month. Um, and yeah, it was created as a safe space to profile and uplift a new generation of forward thinkers. When you were, when you were coming up with that as, 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 as what the magazine would be defined as is, how was that journey? Was that, did you work in collaboration with somebody or is this something that always, you always had in the back of your mind? It was something that I always had in the back of my mind. And truthfully, I just kind of started it on a whim very slowly. I just was working as a stylist. And then from how I grew up, I always noticed the lack of diversity that I saw and I never saw myself represented or you know anyone else who wasn't Caucasian mm -hmm. so I knew that that was wrong and then I thought that when I moved to Toronto um, which is one of the most multicultural cities in the world that this would change but when I moved here and I started working in fashion I saw that it hadn't and then I started working as a stylist and I started producing shoots and um, you know, picking my own models, which were of di different ethnicities. And when I would pitch the photo shoots to publications here, they never got picked up. Mm, mm. And so I was being published what was the you know, in New York or they, the, there's no excuse. Like sometimes they, ju they, they just, they just say don't pick that, you. like, yeah, they just don't pick you. They just say, you know, like, thank you for your submission, but you know, mm. They never, they never went with them. Um, but yeah, I, I was published in other cities around the world before I could even be published in my you know, hometown. Like yeah, your backyard, yeah. So then I just one day was like, you know, I'm just gonna start this. I'm just gonna start this platform and I'm gonna publish these shoots that I've been doing and my friends work because all of my friends were also putting out amazing art that wasn't, getting any recognition and it definitely deserved it. So I just 
started that way and then now it's grown and now I can you know be like wow this is <laughs> something I need to you know really pursue and go for it full throttle <laughs> yeah so so how long have you been how long since the first um sort of iteration of this uh, of arc magazine went online it went online four years ago mm-hmm. and and uh and you had your first print issue when 2019 november 20 yeah november 2019 oh that's amazing that's amazing okay I'll, I'll i'll tell you in a second why i'm asking all those questions and why i'm so excited not not only to talk to you but to understand your journey as well but i i i have a obsession with names so i have to ask you why did you call it arc Ooh, that's a good question and again it's an, another secret reveal <laughs> I hope I'm not I, this like 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 let's just embrace it. This is going to be the reveal interview, or you know, like. <laughs> um, yeah, so it comes from two two different forms of inspiration. One being Noah's Ark, because Noah's Ark was, you know, an inclusive environment where you felt safe and you were, you know saved pretty much um yeah because I feel like a lot of the times if you're growing up this way without seeing yourself represented as you know beautiful or not like yeah as just a stereotype not a full capable beautiful fully loved person then that becomes very disparaging um so that is one of the reasons the other reason is I am a huge <laughs> Batman nerd. Okay. And so oh, I you named are. it. Yeah. <laughs> so I named it after Arkham City. Oh, you are like, kidding me. The mayhem and the madness and the disruption of Arkham City. Oh. So both of those also contradict each other, but I feel right. as though I am that's how my personality is too. Aside from the fact of why the hell not, because it's your magazine, but yeah. But it speaks to the complexity of life, right? It speaks to the complexity of the different people that you are um, taking photos of, that you're showcasing in terms of their art, and people don't have to be in one box. So I would have never guessed that, the Arkham City, but I love that that's, uh, that's part of it. I, you know I'm going to throw that up everywhere and be like, yeah, scoop here, <laughs> scoop here at 54 Lights. We got the, uh, we got the Arkham City down. Um, okay, so so how has the journey been over these past four, these four years, right? Like you, you, you decide, Hey, I'm going to do this four years ago. You launch it. it. I'm sure it's been an iterative journey where things have just kind of changed and evolved and, and grown. How have you laid down those, uh, those building blocks to make this a, 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 a strong magazine and something that you're proud of? Um, definitely through the connections that I've made that the people you work with are the foundation to your entire company. So maintaining these relationships, now I've worked with some photographers, models, makeup artists over the years as well. So mm-hmm. keeping those bonds strong is what, you know, creates the foundation for the business. I think that's very, very important. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's, it's funny. So I, full disclosure, I, I, um, 
I know this is an auditory format, but I'm going to, for the people who are listening, what I'm doing is I'm physically going to show uh, MJ. I'm going to pretend like I'm your friend and I can call you MJ. I'm going to show you the magazine that I had. And, and this was one of the reasons why I was really excited to talk to you is that I ran a magazine for five years in Montreal right? and it was called The Warehouse. And this is like one of the, la the last issues. And this is another one that we had. So I'm holding them up to the screen. Sorry, but this was the culmination and the first issue was really quite quite playful um and embarrassing that i won't i won't even show it to you but the i remember that the first issue um people actually just didn't believe that i was going to create a magazine um right. I, I sort of i spoke to a bunch of people i said hey i want you to write for it i want you to take some photos and people were like yeah sure and Literally, they didn't give me the time of day. But once I actually had one issue out online and then a second issue and a third issue, those people came back and started calling me up and calling me up and saying, hey, I want to contribute. Is that something that you had to deal with? Is people maybe doubting that you would actually come up with the magazine, that it would actually be out there? And, or, or, or did people always um, think that you could do it and you were doing it? I think because I had the online platform first, mm -hmm. that there was that trust and they knew that if I said I was putting out a print that I wouldn't just say that. Yeah, I've been working with some of these people for, well, since the launch of ARC and then even before. So during my times as a freelance stylist. Um, so I luckily didn't have to, I didn't have to chase too many people oh that's good well I should I should have called you up maybe you could have been my my uh, my magazine coach um <laughs> it would have helped me through it um in, in terms of the how do you how do you what would you say is is the um what would you say is the most challenging part about what you do in terms of putting together arc magazine I guess like the most challenging part would be I guess every, it's still in the, you know, baby steps to say. So working through, you know, finding places that will carry it. Um, and then I guess for growth, you know, it's at the point where you have to pitch it to people and to form those business ties. Because before it was all the creative ties and the creative relationships that you are you know nurturing so now it's about taking it into the next step and making it a, a, a legitimate like give these other big canadian publications a run for their like a run for their money right literally and and so the, you when in that role right like are you um are you working with other people on that or are you actually you're you're out front Marie, are you the one that's 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 running all of those different tracks? Yes, for the most part, and definitely for the first few years, it was all I was running it all. Yeah, and you know that was a really good experience as a, a businesswoman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm happy to say that you know taking it into 2021, it is moving forward, um, which I am I'm very grateful for. Looking forward to you know the next steps. I assume they are two different hats when you are when you are talking to people about ARC, that you are on one side, you're talking to, to people who are artistically minded. 
Yes. And then on the other side, you're talking to people who are business minded. Is it is is that the case? Do you actually have to switch back and forth or do you just for you, do they roll into one? It depends who I'm talking to, of course. So, mm. you know, some people I will have to be in that strict business mindset and then other people just a creative conversation or the creative mindset. But yes, you do have to cater to both. Um, a lot of people I find very interesting when someone maybe doesn't fully understand creativity as much as a creative person. Like I always find that fascinating. So if you are talking to someone who is extremely, I guess it's left brain. Yeah, left brain. Right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it is. And then you explain to them why this art is powerful, why it will sell, why it will, you know feed the business yeah but yes I guess like in business EQ is everything so being able to adapt and being able to have these different conversations with these different types of people and to have it flow and to make everyone comfortable and make everyone understand what is happening like that is in itself just business I suppose yeah that's 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 a requirement right out of out of all of this your um your journey into print um, has been an interesting one. You've taken your time doing it. You've done it very methodically, I think, which is really, really smart. Um, I, I mentioned to you earlier that I, I had a magazine before in print and I think I went to print too fast. I wasn't ready. So um, I think you were doing it in a really, really, really smart way. Did you have any anxiety going to print? Um, or, or <laughs> Yes, <laughs> of course. I'm like, who goes to print? You know, like, who goes to print? This is crazy. I did it. This is kind of my mentality. I've learned that I just make a decision and just do something and I allow the anxiety and the thoughts to come in. But then I go, I shut it down. I just am like, nope, that I've done it. And I'm just gonna see what happens. So that is how I combat the anxiety. But yeah, there are people I can call if I am freaking out a lot, but I just make the decision. I'm like, this is what, you know, this is what is done. And then I'm going to see what the results are and then move forward or, you know, see what happens. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, you know, sticking on the print for another second, is that something you always envisioned with Arc Magazine was going to happen? Was that it was going to be in print or... Is this something that kind of came across uh, over time? I did envision it, but I had um, I had this dream set for a few years from now or a few years from 2019 when the first print came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was, um, like I said, me being somewhat impulsive. Um, someone had reached out to me and they were a shop that I admired and they told me that they had been following ARC and that they, you know, were big fans and where can they get a print? And in that moment, I just decided that, you know, it was, it was a sign. (laughs) It was the time. So I replied to them and said, you know, well, it's funny. We're we're actually in the process of making our first print. I'll send you the PDF when it's complete in three months. And if you want to, you know, pick it up and carry it at your store. And they were like, yeah, we'd love that. And so I decided that day that I was oh. making 
print that year. I was going to say, <laughs> move the plans up. But you know, but you know, that's that's actually really smart. And I think that's one of the things that you should be commended on. You should be really, really proud of is that you had the ability to pivot, right? Like you were, that's something that you had in your vision, but you never know when opportunity knocks, right? And you never know when that phone call comes or that text or whatever, that message from that that store. So you were ready and prepared and you you walked through the door. So congratulations on on doing that. I think that, that's really commendable. I, I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, in, in terms of um, being being a woman, being a young woman in mm-hmm. in the world of business, trying to build a business, working working your way through it, um, have there been challenges that you kind of throw your hands up and say like I don't want to do this anymore, or you you're sort of, are you are you um, are you emboldened or are you are or have you not had struggles because of that. I'm, I'm kind of curious because it's the fashion world. I wonder if, if it's, there's a male dominated component to it. I wonder if there's an ageism part to it. So, you know, please let me know about that side of the experience for you. Yeah, there's definitely been and are still difficulties and struggles. Um, you know, women, it has changed um, in recent years, but, you know, we face a lot of structural barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, although fashion before was seen as more of a, you know, women's field, it, the higher aspects of these companies and businesses are all run by men. So yeah, it, it is, it is difficult. So if, if I were to say to you like um, that tomorrow, and I don't know where, where do you, you did your, your schooling at, at Ryerson, not Ryerson. Or... No, I went to George Brown. College. Oh, you went to George Brown. Very cool. Yeah. So if I were to tell you that George Brown tomorrow is holding a, um, um, you know, a workshop for their students uh, right. to tell them about pursuing their career and pursuing their passions, what would you walk in and tell those students um, about what to expect, what to do, how to get there. Um, and especially what would you tell the, the I guess the, the female students within the, in the group? I would tell them to build a community and to build you know, a support system because that makes the biggest difference. Um, and especially, well, not especially, but that's what I would tell all of the students and to get a mentor because that helps so much when you you know have ideas or you have visions and you just want to talk to someone but you want to talk to someone in your field Mm -hmm. and that helps it propels you to keep moving forward having a mentor means everything and I didn't even really have that much of a mentor I was just about to ask you like do you have a mentor promoting it so much it was something I always desperately wanted and I did find it in certain people um I didn't ever have a long-lasting mentorship but now I have randomly you know started mentoring some people and it was just something I always desperately wanted and the feedback from these people Mm -hmm. it's just I just knew that if I could help 
that it would make the biggest difference. Yeah, I, 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 I again commend you. I'm, I'm just becoming a huge fan, but um, I, I think mentorship is something that has come up with a lot of different uh, business leaders, but certainly a lot of leaders in different fields that I've spoken to. And you are tremendously young, but you've done an, um, a tremendous job um, at what you've done, you, you know, at what you've built in, in terms of the magazine and in terms of how you approach it. So I'm really, really pleased that you are sharing some of that with some other people and you should definitely continue to mentor because that's, it's, it's really is important. You talked about community and I'm, I'm kind of curious, I didn't ask you this too much or I didn't probe you too much about your family, but um, when you walked into your, like when, when you said that you were definitely continuing to pursue um, fashion business and then and, and Arc Magazine was a thing. So is, I'm assuming this is this is a full-time gig for you? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. That, that's the, so when you, when you have those conversations with your family, how, have, have people, did, did you have to work them to the point where they were like, okay, yes, like it's, it's now it's a full-time thing versus just, hey, you, you just took it in school a little bit at George Brown and, you know, it's been a couple of years. Has that been a struggle or has that not been um, your reality? It's definitely been a struggle. Yeah, it's been a struggle. Um, but I think that's just the same for any person with a hobby. You know, if you're like out of college and you have these ideas and your parents just want you to have like a stable job. Yeah. Um, but yes, I guess because I was pursuing it and like, you know, this is what I want to do. And if you can't really understand it, especially with, you know, advancements in technology or understanding that you can have a profitable business online. But yeah, once my, once my mom saw the print, she was very proud of me. <laughs> uh, it definitely <laughs> it makes it real. It was at the party. It was like, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Hey, listen, I just got uh, a couple more questions for you. Do you have a few more minutes? Yeah, of course. Okay, perfect. The next issue is called the reset, correct? It is. The question is, how do you come up with the, well, first question is, why the reset? It was called the reset because, so this second issue is a reflection of what has happened in 2020. And as we saw everything that happened in 2020 and people being in their houses for the first time and people starting to question, you know, these people in power and when people went away, you know, the environment coming back and dolphins swimming and canals and all, you know, we saw, we saw people's minds reset and and the world reset. So that's what I was inspired by because there was, you know, the pinnacle of all of the, I don't know if action is the correct, like correct word, but at the height of it, the majority of people were starting to change their mind on things that maybe if the world was still going at the pace it was going at, they would have been stuck in their ways. And so this slowness made people, you know, slow down and just question what they believed and what they thought was right or what they weren't okay with anymore. And just kind of like reset, reset their minds, 
and reset their bodies and I suppose that's why it's called that. To create, to build, or to teach? Create. If I switch off this camera, I switch off the, 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 the recording devices, everything like that, and it's just you, and say, what is your guilty pleasure? Remember, this is the conversation of reveals. So I want something. Yes, I want something juicy. Something, something nobody knows about. But I love to just like cocoon myself in bed and eat like a pizza and ice cream and everything and not move and binge something. Is that like I don't yeah, think that works? Revealing, like it's pretty normal, but that's <laughs> like. <laughs> For a whole day, like I can just do that for an entire day and just... Oh, you can cocoon. I like that. Cocooning in the ultimate <laughs> sense. Cocooning is my guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine we've, we're all vaccinated and, and, and we're, we're back to quote unquote normal, um, normal life, if you will. You've got two weeks. You've got a, a, a hall pass to go anywhere in the world. Where are you going? I should say a remote beach and, you know, just go off the grid, beautiful water, but I would go to London, England, and to Paris. Um, if I told you that you had one extra ticket, uh, one extra ticket, you could take somebody with you without making any enemies, um, Shoot, I know. I'm like, I'm like I can't see my one sister because I have three sisters and a brother. Okay. Oh, that's So there you have it. The conversation continues. Part of our show was recorded and produced at Simplified Studios, the soundstage and auditory office of Speech Simplified. If you noticed a slight change in our opening and closing music, then you're an avid fan. If you didn't, well, you've got some homework to do. I expect you to go back and listen to every single episode in our library and see what little nuances there are in each show. Today's music was composed, played, and enjoyed with permission by E-Roll Beats. I'd like to thank the talented, intentional, and charming Marie Powell. Marie, I know you're not typically out front in this way, and you were quite busy when we collided, working on issue number two, of course. The fact that you took the time to meet with me is truly, truly remarkable and much, much appreciated. To the listeners, if you like what you've heard, there's more. Our upcoming roster of shows will continue to zero in on writers through our mini-series, Postscript. Up next... Uh-oh, everybody. Spoiler alert. ...is a fun-filled conversation with Afro-Latina Julia Baldini, author of Fashion on the Beat, a book that'll make you think twice about what you wear. After that, we've got a great conversation with Dr. Mohsen Alatar, who's based in Barbados, and the headliner of this miniseries, a conversation with Hanif Abdurakim, author of Go Ahead in the Rain, 
Looking forward to both of those conversations and to many, many more. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss anything that's coming up. You can find us wherever you do your listening. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many, many more. And of course, if you enjoy some social sprinkled in with your experience, please follow us on Instagram under our handle, Crowd54. Listen, like, share. This is your host, Kundwani Mwase. Until we meet again, thanks for listening.